Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to the Man of the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali, and joining me to go over the games as always, we have Simon and David. How are we, chaps? Uh, not too bad, thanks. Uh, aye, not bad at all, thanks, Ali. Yeah, well, um, just looking over the results there, as I was saying to Simon pre-pod, it, was, um, it looks like a kind of mere weekend, and, and Simon alluded to maybe the, the, the congestion fixture list, maybe catching up on certain teams, just getting to that stage. Dave, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've had a few of these where it seems like everyone stops at the same time and then hopefully it'll go back to normal the next the next weekend. But I think it's got to have a lot to do with the amount of fixtures and uh, teams sort of picking and choosing what, what games they can just survive in and uh, which games they need to go for the throw it on. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, well, we'll not even talk about our own teams at the start. We'll just wait till they come in this week. Um, I can't, I can't imagine any of the three of us are going to be very happy with the results, ultimately. Um, but we'll, I, mean, I mean, we don't have a goal between us, do we? So. <laughs> That's a valid point. I didn't even think about that. Um, well, on that sombre note, Burnley were at home and scored one more goal than all their teams combined. Um, Burnley won, Arsenal won. Dave, it's your favourite place, Turf Moor, so uh, take us through it. Honestly, I have no idea how Burnley got away with the point from this. I mean... They scored a goal where Jacques had decided to boot the ball off Chris Wood for yeah. no re- no reason whatsoever. Like <laughs> absolute peak Arsenal of totally in control, playing pretty well, and then Jacques does that. Um, how they didn't score in the last ten minutes in particular, I have no idea. Because um, I think in one attack they hit both posts and possibly the keeper and had on had a penalty chalked off for handball, not handball. Um, Burnley got away with one, but you know the, the type of point they'll probably come at the end of the season and say, well, that helped a great deal, and uh, Arsenal don't really need it to be honest, so but they'll move on from it. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know how Arsenal didn't win. According to live score stat, Burnley had three more shots on target than Arsenal. Well, hitting the post isn't a shot on target, is it? Which probably counts that, most of Arsenal's efforts. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's Arsenal 10th, Burnley 15th on 30 points now, uh, 12, 14, sorry, clear, no, 4, clear of Fulham and 18, who obviously were gifted 3 points, which, much to your demise, Dave. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I think, I mean, we see this every week about Burnley, but are Burnley going to survive because of points like these, where they just get enough and... As you say, no one quite knows how, but they do. I think so. I mean, we always say where Burnley's points come from. It's games like this, which they 
the kickoff at you know at the Saturday lunchtime kickoff, they get an undeserved point and then kind of gets forgotten about, doesn't it? And they just accumulate about ten of them over a season, so that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, well, they got they got three three at Anfield as well, remember? So they're, they're doing not bad. They, I mean, Simon, much to add on this, and yeah, what uh, are thinking? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at Burnley. That's most of the points they get is is home games against mid-table teams like Arsenal, isn't it? So they'll be, uh, <laughs> they'll be happy with that. The, I mean, the goal that, that Arsenal gave away, like, like Dave said, it, I mean, it, it was just, it was hilarious to watch. But you just, I mean, I, I, I can't, I still can't quite understand what he was trying to do. Because I think when the ball was initially played to him, uh, or just before the, the ball was played to him from the keeper, he'd had a look to see that there were three Arsenal players to his right that he could pass it to. So why he felt the need to take a touch and, and make the angle more difficult for himself, I don't quite understand. Um, I think Arsenal, they they feel that they should have had at least one penalty. I think the one that was given and then overturned, I think was the right decision. It clearly comes off Peters' shoulder. The one, the first one, I was surprised that it wasn't given when you see some of the penalties that, that have been given. It, to be fair, I'm still 50-50 as to whether it is a handball. Okay, his arm is away is well away from the body. But I don't think he, I don't think he spread it out to try and deliberately stop the ball. And the, it was quite close to the Arsenal player. So part of me can see why it wasn't given. But as Dave said, the, the chances that Arsenal had, especially towards the end of the game, They'll be kicking themselves that they uh, that they haven't come away with three points there. Am I, am I being harsh to Nick Pope when I say he should have saved Aubameyang's goal? I I I'd be disappointed, I suppose, if my keeper let that in. But then you don't, was he unsighted? I, I don't know. I, I think he'll I think he'll be annoyed that a keeper of his quality has has let that get past him. It's a bit like the um, Dubravka one from Neves last week where he gets hands on it and you think probably should save it, but if he does save it, it's a hell of a save, isn't it? So it's a bit of a catch-22 where he's he's done well to get to get down that well, but just you know, I think if he gets that much on it, he'd probably be disappointed he didn't keep it out. Yeah, it's the standards he set himself as well. Like We, yeah. we have Pope as you know, top five goalkeeper in the league, perhaps. Maybe slightly higher, maybe just a little bit lower, but you know he's in that conversation... I think we all agree he probably should be England's number one. Um, yeah. And I, I feel if Pickford lets that in, we're, we're I, I certainly am. I'm on his back for it. Uh, <laughs> but as you say, yeah, it would have been a good save if he saved it. But yeah, it's the standards I've set for him. Um, Arsenal. I mean, Simon said it. They, they really are just mid-table this year, and they should ultimately be going all out for the Europa League. I think the, I think the three of us are still in agreement for that. That's their best. Top four method. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, uh, game in hand. Yeah, game in hand. They can't go ahead off. So, yeah, poor season for them. Um, <laughs> well, we'll move on to a team who are championship bound 100%. I just can't see it at all now. Um, and Southampton finally getting to winning ways, Simon. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if Sheffield United were ever going to give themselves half a chance, this was a game that they really had to win. I mean, having said that, even if they'd have won this game, I still don't think they'd have any, 
anywhere near enough to stay up. I suppose from Southampton's point of view, it's just really, really vital to to stop that rot and, and get a win on the board. Now, okay, yeah, it's not they're not the greatest team in the world that they've just gone and beaten, but you know it will do them the world of good. Um, and they they were really comfortable in this game. As to be fair, you'd expect them to be. You know, they've been on a really poor run, but they have got some decent players in there, and they're much better than Sheffield United. So it's a game that they needed to win, that they were expected to win. And from their point of view, it's a game they have actually finally won and topped off with a lovely strike from Trey Adams as well. Really struck that beautifully, to be fair to the lads. Yeah, Dave, much to, much to add on what Simon summarised there. Uh, no, I, mean, I think, unfortunately for Sheffield United, everyone goes there with the mentality that this should be an easy win. Um, obviously, we didn't manage that and Man United didn't manage that, but... But most of the teams have managed that and Southampton were probably professionals is the best way to put it, where they you know they did what they needed to do. Um Sheffield United just lack that bit of quality, don't they? Um I don't know how they managed to get it last season, but obviously with a fairly similar squad they've got nowhere near to it this year and it sounds like Wild has fallen out with the board there now as well, which I think seems to happen every other month. There seems to be some sort of report about it, but um, uh, it seems to be casting doubt of whether he'll be there next season or not. Personally, I think if they go down, he'd probably be the man you want to bring them back, but also we've seen it loads of times in the past where once a club's in this sort of rut, they need a complete change to, to come back, um, especially when it's you know it's 14 points from 28 games. is a fairly poor show, isn't it? It's not like they've just gone down. Yeah, I think this 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 fourteen points total might have been acceptable last season because like no one expected them to really. I think most people probably had them in a relegation battle last season, um, but they unfortunately for them and Wilder actually not unfortunate for Wilder because he seems a bit of a dick, but um, <laughs> they've, they've just they've set a standard that I don't think they were ever going to maintain, but nobody expected them also to be rock bottom with with such a low points total. Um, uh, yeah, they've had a couple of bad injuries, but it's almost been like a Wilder's just been refused to change tactics, kind of been stubborn, um, try, not trying anything different. Not really. The Ramsdale signing is still maybe maybe the worst signing in the league this season. When you think of the fee they paid um, the goalkeeper they had last year, that's a massive downgrade for a for a, more, a very expensive option. Um, and then obviously the the Brewster signing was. Was was awful. Um, I'll always have a soft spot for the lad, just obviously coming from us. But twenty three million, I think they paid for him. Um, with no Premier League experience, really. Um, and the one thing, even last season, they probably cried out for was a was a striker. Um, just such a poor decision, a very a very burnmouth decision. And we seen how that went. <laughs> it's a very desperate sign, I think there wasn't. It? I think that they needed. They recognised they needed goals and he seemed to be the best they could come up with. Which is a concern for your recruitment team. <laughs> well, as the old saying goes, once you've tried Moose and you've tried McBurney, <laughs> then where, where do you go I, next? I suppose, I think the tough situation they were in with that is they were always, I think, going to struggle to attract like a, yeah. a proven Premier League striker. So... You know, teams in those positions, you, you know, you sort of think like teams like Brighton as well. 
when you're in that situation, you look in the championship and you look at who's who's been the better strikers in that league. And to be fair, Bruce had, had had quite a good spell at Swansea, I think. Um, yeah, the right. six months he'd gone on loan there. So, I mean, they, they overpaid for him, but kind of see the, the position they were in, they needed a striker. He was probably the best option that they could probably go and get, I think. And it's just not worked out for the lads, which is a shame because I thought he looked really good at Swansea. I think the the price tag for me is not so much. I don't think the price is as bad as what it seems either. Because if he'd had even a half decent season and Sheffield United still went down, they would have made their money back comfortably. Yeah. Um, with him being so young. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate. Like they're they're going down now. I think he'll be good for them next season, which can only help him in the championship. You know, a league he's maybe more suited to just now because I think he's still only nineteen, um, maybe twenty now. Um, so I mean he's got years ahead of him um, you'd imagine if a new manager comes in rather than Wilder it would be a different style obviously this style's all been set up for, for Wilder so um, you could it'll be interesting to see where Sheffield United go in the summer and, and beyond um, and as for Southampton it gets them out the rut um, they'll have granted yes they only beat Sheffield United but as you say they, they did beat them so they'll get, have a bit more belief going into the next few games um, again, I didn't think they were in any relegation trouble, but you don't want that form to continue, especially for the manager. So, it takes a a wee bit of weight off their off their shoulders. Um, right, Simon. Mm-hmm. Nil, Wolves nil. Um, any highlights of the game at all? I mean, it was just a really it, it was a classic game of two halves. Really, like, but just unfortunately, no goals in either of them. I mean. Villa, we completely dominated the first half of this game. Um, Ollie Watkins must be one of the... He, uh, he must have run over a few black cats or something because the lad has no luck. I think he, he's hit the woodwork seven times now this season, which you think, like, I don't know, a couple of inches here or there. And he could have gone from what's been a very good season to an outstanding season so far. Um so yeah, he crashes one off the bar. Five, ten minutes after that, Esri Conza crashes one off the exact same spot on the bar. And you sort of, I'm, I'm sat there thinking, I know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to go in nil-nil at half-time and we're going to rue these missed chances. Because I say we, we completely dominated that opening 45 minutes. But then the second half, it was, it was a complete role reversal. Wolves all of a sudden dominated the game. Um had two great chances. I mean, unfortunately for them, they both fell to defenders. But even so, Roman Saez, I, th- I think we've got our miss of the season because I'm still not quite sure how he managed to put the ball as as far over the bar as he did from a yard out. I mean, it was quite impressive, to be fair. And then um, sort of going back to talking about Sheffield United, the money they spent on Ramsdale. Ramsdale cost Sheffield United more than Emi Martinez cost us and Martinez has been outstanding this season and he made an unbelievable save uh, to deny Connor Cody to keep that nil-nil and get us our 14th clean sheet of the season. And then in stoppage time, a ball falls to Esri Konza uh, about eight, nine yards out. He lashes it high and wide. All the best chances in this game 
fell to the centre backs on the pitch, which might explain why why it finished nil nil. Um, so kind of, I think both teams, both teams would probably come away thinking a draw is a fair result because we could have easily been two up in the first half, but then the second half they could have easily put two past us. So yeah, bit bit frustrating, but as I say, I, I mean I keep saying each week the the overall picture of this season, the progress he made, it's been great, and now. As I said, that's 14 clean sheets for Martinez. The Premier League record for Villa uh, in a, a, of keeping clean sheets in a season is 15. So he's one behind with 12 to play. So um, I'm pretty sure that he's going to break a club record for us to prove what, a, what an excellent signing he's been yet again for us. Yeah, that's fair. Just like everything you've said, obviously you know more than, than anybody, but is there a concern, despite how good a season obviously Villa are having where they're sitting in the league, just the the forum really since, almost since the, the COVID break for you guys? It's not, yeah. It's been I, quite inconsistent, probably the best word. Yeah, I I think it's, it's a good point you raise, actually, that since the COVID outbreak, you, you kind of, you wonder, has that, has that had more of an impact than maybe people would initially think? Because up until that, we'd been, obviously, you know, we'd, we'd lost a few games. We were, even in the games where we'd lost or hadn't won, that, that, that we'd drawn, we were still playing quite well. And the football we were playing was very good and it was very high pressing and energetic. And that has tailed off uh, since we've had that outbreak. And, I mean, it, it could just be a coincidence or there they could be a link to it that maybe the players just aren't physically as at it uh, going forward as he works. I mean, defensively, we've, there hasn't been too much change. You know, we've still kept a number of clean sheets seen, since them and been pretty solid. But definitely, we, we seem to have lacked a bit of a, a spark going forward. And, of course, we've been miss, missing Grealish the last few weeks. But even having, having said that, though, if you look at the results in isolation, obviously nil-nil today, we lost one-nil uh, midweek to Sheffield United, and so you can look at them and go, "Oh, there was no greenish." Obviously, they haven't scored. But the midweek game, we missed about four sitters. Well, we missed four sitters against Sheffield United, and we missed a couple again today. So it doesn't. It's not great, obviously, not having Grealish for the last few games, but that hasn't been... I, I think it's too easy and a bit of a lazy jump to say, well, they haven't got him, so they, they can't score. It's, you know, if, you pay, if players are missing from four or five yards out, they, there's not an awful lot that he could have done differently uh, in those situations. But slight concern, but I think he's back, unfortunately for you, Dave, this Friday, I think he's, he's due to be back here for, for that game. Ah, so he's, he's busy. He's very busy. <laughs> <laughs> of course he is, Dave. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't put Villa down as a one-man team. I assure you, they agree. But I, I do feel when teams do have that one standout player, that when they don't have them, they they, they almost still try to play the same setup. Where sometimes they might need to tweak it slightly, uh, and I do feel that's where Villa's like inconsistency comes when he doesn't play. Not that they're relying on him, but they're relying on somebody to do the same job that he does. And he is at that level where he's not head and shoulders above everybody at Villa, because that's very disrespectful, but he's clearly Villa's best player, Simon. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. So whoever comes in, it's, it's, it's automatically a downgrade. And I think most teams would have the same issue. Like, from City downwards, City, look at the issues City had when Aguero didn't play for years. Um, but they, 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 they almost adjusted, you know, a different way because they knew they weren't getting the same. Um, I mean, Dave, for yourself, I mean, you'll not be able to add much more in the game that Simon did. Um, but, I mean, thoughts on the game in general and, and even more from a Wolves point of view, should they be not disappointed in drawing it because it's Aston Villa in the season they're having, but they, they, they're trying to rejuvenate themselves a little bit. Yeah, I was, um, I was impressed with Wolves coming back from obviously that terrible run a few a few weeks ago and they've more than steadied the ship now. So, so play, fair play to Nuno for that. But uh, as, as Simon says, there's some big chances in this match that were missed by players who, you know, you probably wouldn't want it to fall to. Conzo, obviously, from about three yards. Impressive when he's hit the bar from there. <laughs> um, and Saiz, well, the less said about that, the better. But um, I don't think either team would be too unhappy with the point. I think it could have gone either way. Uh, obviously, it's the home team. You'd, you'd say Villa would want to win, but um, I think a draw was probably fair on the night. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's kind of hard to talk about either team's um, league position because they're both kind of in that era where it almost doesn't matter. Like they're they're, they're almost going to finish, you know, maybe one or one or two places around from where they are at the moment. Um, Villa two games in hand still against most Simon um, could push up the six, but I mean, for yourself personally, where where are you hoping to finish? Um. um. I, after the way the season's gone, I'd be slightly disappointed if we fell out of the top 10. I, I think if we, if, if we drop down to as low as 11th, I think that's probably as low as, as, as I'd like. But that's just purely from, from the way the season's gone so far. But, I mean, in terms of could we finish any higher, it's difficult to say. If, if Greenish is back this weekend and... And he can rejuvenate that bit of spark. As you say, we've got a couple of games in hand on teams above us. But, and, and not only just that, but Everton and Tottenham, we've got to play them both twice yet this oh. season. Yeah, we've got, yeah, we haven't played. Because the two games we had um, oh, right, yeah. were against them too. So, so we've got two games each against them. So it's still, it's kind of, until those games are, are out the way, I think it's difficult to really gauge on, on where we'll end up because we're capable of winning all four of those games. We're capable of losing all four of those games. So sort of still a bit up in there at the moment. But yeah, if we, if we if the season finished now and, and we, we finished ninth, then I'll, I'm over the moon compared to how last season was. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, Dave, just quickly before we move off the Villa game, um, where would you expect Villa to finish this season? <laughs> 17th. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, I think at the start of the season, obviously, massive concerns about him being relegated. So, to be to flirt with the top four for a few months in the, you know, in the September October kind of time, um, you'd probably be disappointed, like to say to to drop down as low as 11th. So, even yeah, for the top half, and as you say, if you beat those teams around you, then who knows? But I, I don't think necessarily that a, a Europa League campaign is 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 what anybody once necessarily, especially if you haven't got the, the squad depth, which we talked about last week, where Villa have kind of not rotated the squad as much as they might have done. Um, and as we've seen, you're, you're one injury away from having to play Al-Mohamedi, which is never good. 
Yeah, fair point. Right, well, last game on Saturday evening, we had Brighton 1, Leicester 2. They've, um, Adam Lallana did a goal. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, Brighton brightened, which unfortunately has been the story of their season. I was so relieved when Leicester won this. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, let's get the, the good out of the way first. I mean, fair play to Leicester because they're missing a few of their better creative outlets at the minute. And I know you don't like the boy, Rogers Ali, but uh, I think he did well here to, to find a formation to get the most out of what he's got. Um, and he gave the young lad Tavares a go, who looked bright. Um, a bit bit slow at making decisions sometimes, but generally carries the ball well. Looks like he'd be an asset for them. Um, Iannaccio, great finish. Um, he's seemed to come back from from nowhere. His goal in midweek against Burnley was was lovely as well. Um, so you know that's that's the good bits out of the way. Um, <laughs> the, the Leicester winner. I mean that keeper for, for Brighton. He's generally been pretty good, but he just misjudged that corner badly, didn't he? And uh, Amati couldn't really miss. Um, Brighton, it's the same old story, isn't it? They, they had their chances, they went ahead, and then they just seemed to drift out of the game. Um, and sure enough, ended up paying for it. Uh, we've said the same thing every week. Well, right and Redemo, that they didn't they didn't play badly, um, but they've got beat, and they actually dropped down to 17th. Um, and again, if you look at it and you say, well, out of the three candidates to go down. Brighton aren't, aren't the worst of them by any means, but they just can't seem to buy a win even when they play well. Yeah, like you summed it up perfectly. We say this every week, and I feel we've said it every week since I took over. And I'd imagine like you boys, when Chris was here at the start, this is probably the same. Um, I had, I think we discussed it on the the midweek review show um, when we just came to the end of the season. I think me and you did a long one at the end of the season, Dave, didn't we? With a we rating each team, and, and oh, yeah, Brighton yeah. was the team I was very high on. You know, to to have a good season this year. Um, I do feel the transfer policy didn't didn't go to plan, but yeah, just I'm I'm very disappointed. It's a shame. I would like to see if they go down. I, I really hope they give Potter a year with them down there and see what he can do. Um, but I feel he would be concerned as a Brighton, unfortunately, owner and fan, where Wilder in charge because nothing seems to be. Not Wilder, Potter. <laughs> just nothing. He's not changing things either. And, and there's only so long you can keep being those or oh, unlucky. Um, he just, just. I mean, I'd love to get a Brighton fan on just to talk to them about what, how they, how they feel about it because it's not like they pass the ball on the back endlessly and it's possession for all out going anywhere. They make a shit ton of chances. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's actually really nice football a lot of the time. They just can't score. And I, I mean, is that the manager's fault? I'm not, I'm not really sure it is. Like, it's it's uh, it's bizarre, really. It's um, it's very difficult to put your finger on how you. I mean, what would you say to them? Like, and I guess that's probably worse in some ways. Like, <laughs> they're doing everything right, and you can't win. Like, it, it's uh, and it's not a one-off either. Like we say, like it, it's it's every other week or most weeks, really. So. <laughs> It's very perplexing. I, I think we'll, we're all in agreement, I guess. Like the number one priority in the in the summer has to be find a striker. Um, but I mean, again, they might as well just recall Glenn Murray from wherever he is. Like, <laughs> yeah, back from the dead. Where is he? Just out of curiosity. Let's just go off. Is it? Um, is it Watford? But I don't know whether it's on loan or whether it's 
Is it Watford or Bournemouth? I thought he went to Forest. Oh, maybe he did. Yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, we all have the internet at some... our fingertips. Let's just have a look. <laughs> um, but I, I, I said at the start, and, and you defended him slightly because of the time. I, Welbeck was never the answer. Um, I, I give him a lot of grief. Um, but if I was Brighton, I don't know. I don't know whether he would have went. But I think Irigi might have been a better shout for them. Again, I'm not a massive proponent of Origi, but he's the type of striker they needed. Like, not one who's going to make like runs like that Liverpool require, or you know, who, a, a man who could just stand in it. Because one thing Origi was very good at for us when he got his goals, he he takes shots that none of our other forwards will. You know, just a quick turn and strike. Or um, I, I thought he would have been a nice loan signing if they could have got him in. Whether he would have got him or not, um, definitely a more attractive option than. And well back for me, but um, any any word on Glenn Murray then? Yeah, so as soon as you asked, he um, he went on loan to Watford, scored and scored and scored zero in five, and then Forrest thought, you know what, we'll buy him. So, <laughs> so now he's he's a permanent Nottingham Forest player. But Chris Hutton's their manager, and he's got he's got knockout and Murray, which is like, <laughs> which is like <laughs> his 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 plan to get out of uh, out of the championship. So. Wasn't that Brighton from three years ago? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. checking. <laughs> They're the modern-day uh, Redknapp and Cranchar, aren't they? <laughs> Cranchar and Crouch. That's it. That's the new, that's the new partnership. Um, I mean, Simon, I mean, much more to add on this. I mean, Leicester might be... They've been so unlucky with injuries this season. Um, and, yeah, oh, I don't think we can really add much more in Brighton. But, yeah, talk, talk about it anyway. Uh, yeah, Leicester, a big win for them. Um Kind of as you said, it's like big injuries to big players and the defeat to Arsenal last week. It, I think it was important for them uh, to get three points just to sort of re-establish themselves uh, firmly in that top four mix. And Brighton, I mean, this, like we've already said, or like you guys have just said, we, we say it every week. It it is it's difficult. It's difficult to be critical in a, in one sense because. Because they do play, they do play well in majority of their games, and they do create a load of chances. It's as you say, it's not, it's not like they're just a, a pretty passing team. But but there's there's nothing at the end of it. They they do create and like good chances as well. So I mean, I, I don't know. Is is there an argument to say that they have the worst strikers in the league because of the amount of chances they create? And how little they convert, and I mean, a month or two months ago, I think we were all sitting there, sort of, you know, we, we were saying this week in week out, but always thinking, but but that'll be all right because the three teams uh, at the bottom of the table are so far adrift. But the run that Fulham have put themselves on, Brighton, they're well in that mix now. I mean. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably come on to it later, but at the moment it looks like there's three teams competing for that last relegation spot, and Brighton are, are definitely one of them. Yeah, I think the 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 end of the the, the weekend in 17th as Dave Dave mentioned to, which gave Dave a massive sigh of relief, um, especially come the. The next fixture that we'll be talking. Let's just move on to that just now, and we can talk about all that together. Because obviously it's another team who's. Well, but Dave, you started off the Sunday where we're a nil-nil draw to West Brom, which 
ultimately is not the result you wanted, but it takes you that point above Brighton. Um, got the game in hand on Fulham um, as well. Um, it could prove a massive point. I could do. Well, I mean, equally, if we'd, if we'd won, we'd have been, well, happier, put it that way. But it's obviously been another quiet week with uh, the manager falling out with one of the players and, and someone digging into the press. And I mean, it's got all the hallmarks of relegation, hasn't it? Like, there's, there's nothing good to say about the situation at the minute. Um, this game was atrocious. I mean, I think as soon as I saw the teams, I, I thought we'd be lucky to get nil. I thought I think Bruce played for a draw, and that's what we got. Um, our team obviously is Sean of, of Almiron and St Maximin as well as Wilson um, until probably after the national break for all three of them um, which is a massive blow but thank God for the national break because at least they'll only miss, they'll only miss three more games rather than uh, well potentially you know five or six or however many it would have been um, so so yeah I mean we should have won in the in the opening 20 minutes when Joel inexplicably chose to square the ball when he was still one-on-one instead of just shooting like any normal striker would have done. Um, after that, the game descended into what could be best described as turgid. Um, and 0-0 is exactly what both teams deserved and got. So, yeah, it's better than losing. But as I said last week about Burnley, if you can't beat West Brom, like, who, who can you beat? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the biggest disappointment, as you say, it's a team. But, I mean, looking at the other way, West Brom are at that stage where they're fighting for every point as well. Um, you'd probably find it more easier to get points off a Crystal Palace or Southampton than a West Brom at the moment, because they've got no care for games. Who's your uh, game in hand against, Dave, do you um, I mean, it doesn't matter. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll lose regardless, uh, I'll tell you, though. Um I mean, just while, we're, while I'm patting here, we've got Brighton away in two games' time after Villa next week. And that Brighton game is absolutely huge. <laughs> that's that, that's stereotypical six-point, isn't it? That's the... um, so, to be boring here, we don't actually have a game in hand. It's, everyone else has played before us because they have um, FA Cup commitments. So, we, right. do, we all our games are like times expect me to be on except we've got Man City at home on the 12th of May I don't know if that's the same as everyone else but I mean that's not really much of a game in hand is it <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they've won the league by then yeah so let's be honest so that Brighton game is is really the, the almost the crucial point of your season now um, yeah I mean we've got Villa Brighton away Spurs at home and then Burnley away that's all yeah I'm so if, if you <laughs> I know it's an if, but if you can take six points from that Brighton and Burnley game, I would like to see you guys are safe. Um, oh, I mean, beating the teams around us would be, you know, a good start. Um, but so far, we've lost to Sheffield United. We've, we beat West Brom at home, drew them away, drew at home to Fulham, lost at home to Brighton. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's we're just not very good, that is the problem. <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, Dave, you're matching the same results Liverpool are getting against you. Well, well, this is the thing, right? I mean, <laughs> Liverpool have drawn at home to West Brom. They have yep. lost at home to Fulham. They've lost yep. at home to Brighton. They've yep. lost at home to Burnley. Yep. If you just beaten all those teams, we've been doing this mess. It's your fault, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, do you know what, Dave? I put this all down to Chris because he left and I had to come in and step in. And <laughs> since then... Liverpool fell off a cliff. 
hasn't, hasn't been good, like has it? Look, I haven't been on the, the the weekend review show as a host for two years. <laughs> Liverpool done incredible the whole time. I had to listen every Monday when Chris used to say, "Yeah, Liverpool did play very well, but they won every week." And we we strolled the league, <laughs> and then I took over, and this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so blame Chris. <laughs> um, yeah, like. I think again, well, I think we'll merge the next game in as well before I bring you in, Simon. Um, Fulham, um, 1 0 win against that team who used to be good and won the league last season. Um, six home wins, home defeats, sorry, in a row. Um, I don't know where you start, Simon, but yeah, crack on. Uh, the Just the game itself rather than diving straight into uh, Liverpool's collapse in the last few months. The, the nightmares itself, Fulham thoroughly deserved to, to win the game for me. I thought the first half, I, I thought in particular they were, they were excellent. They, they were a real threat going forward. I've got to be honest, when I saw the starting lineup for Liverpool and who was starting in their defence, I did think this is this is going to annoy Dave because I think Fulham are going to have a, a fair bit of joy against that back line because I don't particularly rate either Williams or that Nat Phillips from what from what I've seen of him. Um, and then once they they got the goal that that they play as I say thoroughly deserved in my opinion. I, I, I thought they they had a, a couple of really good chances beforehand. What Salah was doing dicking about on the edge of the box like that, just just get rid of it. He got out muscled and it's a lovely finish as well. And then second half, I thought Fulham defended brilliantly. They weren't as great going forward as you'd expect. You know, Liverpool are always if they're one 0 down, you'd expect the home team, especially one with the players that Liverpool have on show to, to have a lot more of the ball and pepper them a bit. But they they defended so well that that's what really impressed me. That um Anderson, uh, is, is Anderson, isn't it, the centre-back? For yeah, the, it is. Yeah. I, I thought he he was unbelievable. Uh, and toasting alongside him, but yeah, Anderson in particular just seemed to be in the right position at the right at, at the right time. He got his head on everything. But then when he, get, he was actually on the ball as well, he, he he's not just like a panic and hoof up, you know, up top merchant. He can actually pick a pass out and he's got a bit of a sense of calm about him. And I think... Scott Parker, I mean, we've sort of, you and me, Dave, I think, uh, more than, than Ali have alluded to, Parker doing a really good job over the last few weeks. But I think he he deserves a phenomenal amount of credit, really, because if you look at Fulham in those sort of first first few weeks of the season, I think after about four or five games, the majority of people had written them off. They, they just didn't look equipped to play uh, in at this level at all. They they were just far too open. But to mid-season change that sort of style of play and, and to have the the awareness to realise, you know, OK, this, unlike Chris Wilder, who's just done the same thing week in, week out, expecting something different, Parker to have had that, you know, that bit of analysis to go, do you know what, if, if this might be my principles or philosophy, but if we keep doing this, we're going to be... We'll, will be gone by February. So to switch to that style of play and make that team look as solid as he has done, I think that's about five or six clean sheets in the last seven or eight games for them now. And still 
carry a threat. It's not a great goal threat because they don't have the quality of players that most teams in the league do have. But they are still a threat going forward. And they, they do look like they can get goals. I think the job he's done to get them in the position they're in where they're a really, really strong chance of, of staying up now. I, th- I think he deserves an awful lot of credit. And if he manages to keep them up, I think he could be... I mean, Guardiola's going to be manager of the year. But if he keep, if Parker keeps his full team up from the start they had as well, I think he, he should be in with an outside shout as manager of the year because I honestly think the job he's done there is sensational. Uh, bad, bad ventures. I think David Moyes, for me, has got to be got to be up there if he doesn't go to Pep. Um, I mean, Simon, eh, Simon, you've just spoke. Dave? Mm. Yeah, well, it was obviously annoying because you kind of had this down as a home banker, but as I'm sure you'll tell us in a minute, Ali, there's no such thing for you guys anymore. But um, Fulham not only were were winners, but they were they were very worthy winners. Like it wasn't like they were hanging on. I know Liverpool had a lot of the ball in the second half, but other than um, one decent save from Jota's kind of snap volley, um, I don't really remember the keeper being overly worked. Um, they were they were quite comfortable, um, which is probably you know as much down Liverpool being fairly fairly bad at the minute compared to Fulham, who were just uber organised and they give nothing away for free um, which as you say is down to the way Parker's got them set up um, I'm, I'm obviously extremely worried about Fulham overtaking us in the coming weeks um, they have got Man City next weekend but the way it's going like, does that matter? Like Fulham just seem to be absolutely <laughs> Teflon at the minute um, and it's, it's, it is a concern I, I, I think I think everyone at certainly Newcastle and probably Brighton and Burnley thought, you know, that that gap's so big, no one's going to catch us. <laughs> Fulham are Fulham playing as well as anyone in the league at the minute for me. Yeah, the momentum's on their side, especially compared to the, yourselves and Brighton, as you mentioned. Um, you just can't seem to buy a goal, let alone a win at the moment, try to keep players fit. Um, and Fulham's just run of games in recent weeks. Um, has been nothing short of incredible. I, I watched, um, I think it was Sky Sports News, had a, a clip of their opening day against Arsenal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and like, how bad they defended in that game. Yeah. Uh, to now, it's just, you know, it's chalk and cheese. It is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I say, well, I agree with, with Sai, really. I think Parker's done a great job, and I think there's... Is the one player survived from that opening game of the season as to who makes like his regular team now? I think that was one of the stats over the weekend. Oh really? Yeah, so absolutely fair play for you know wielding the axe and going, well, this isn't working. Let's pick players who, in whatever formation or whatever system he's decided to, to go for, and it clearly works for him. I mean, Luckman could play at a higher level than, than Fulham. I think that's probably not unfair to say. Um, Madger on loan from from Bordeaux looks like a bit of a snip. Um, looks like a good deal. Um, but as you say, I think that Anderson and Adrobay or Tosin, whatever you want to call them, as a centre half partnership, like that they are absolutely rock solid. Like very, very good at everything they do. Um so even though like Fulham's next games aren't great, I say Man City leads, which as we said before, can, can be absolutely any result whatsoever. You know, Villa away, Wolves at home give nothing away, um Arsenal away, not easy, Chelsea away. You know, they've got a difficult run, but it doesn't seem to phase them. Yeah, I think when you look at that run, 
you you might not see many wins in there, but they probably won't lose that many as well. And even you know, if you if say out that uh, six games there, even if they if they lost two and drew four of them, it's still it's just you're just picking up points week in week out, aren't you? And they 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 just tot up as as the weeks go on. Yeah, and this is it. I mean, we said the last game of the season is, is Fulham Newcastle, which could have a lot a lot riding on it. At this rate, they'll be more than three points ahead of us by then. <laughs> it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a total dead rubber. But uh, I hope they've picked too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but as you say, fair play to Parker and fair play to the owners as well by sticking by them. Um, you know, a lot of owners would have kind of done the the West Brom route as such um, and went for that. Um, yeah. How do you describe it? <laughs> <laughs> Safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah that, that that you know reverty type sort of thing, and and try and claw their way out, and ultimately if Fulham go down, is Parker not the ideal man again to be there to bring them back up, especially rather than the the good old fashioned and English dinosaurs. Hmm, he's obviously done it once, hasn't he? And there's no reason to believe he wouldn't do it again. That's right, because he he took over at the end as well, didn't he? Uh, when they went down. Yeah, I think for memory they had a decent run because they were pretty much adrift anyway when he, by the time he took over. But yeah. I think they picked up a few results, obviously did enough to get the job full-time and then brought them back up uh, via the playoffs. But Yeah, no, no credit to them, certainly. Um, well, next up was Man City-Man United. Um, Man City's 28-game unbeaten run come to an end. Um, we had a 2-0 win for Man United. Um, I mean, too little, too late. For the for the title race as such, but yeah, did you see this result coming, Dave? Well, unfortunately, and I don't really understand how it happened, but Solskjaer's record against Guardiola, particularly at the Etihad, is, is actually incredible. Um, I think this is this three wins in a row from there, or, or something along those lines. Like it was. Yeah, it's three in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, because Solskjaer, <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, Man United have been a mystery, haven't they? They're uh, a bit like the opposite of Brighton, where like they, they don't necessarily play that well every week and somehow win, and then throw in a performance like this, where they were pretty much on their game from the first minute. Obviously, got a penalty very, very early on, um, and as soon as they go ahead, they're one of the worst teams to go behind against because that counter-attack with you know James and Martial and whoever else is involved, it's not great to play against, is it? So. Um, Fair play for Solskjaer, we got, we got it spot on, um, they got the result. De Bruyne had probably the worst game I've seen him have for Man City, but who knows why that is. Yeah, because he's, he's missed a few games for injuries, it's not like he's playing, you know, like, ridiculous amount of minutes compared to other players in the league. But what it comes again though, like, if they ever needed some evidence that Aguero was finished at Man City... How is he sat on the bench throughout this? <laughs> it's like if he's fit, bring him on. If he's not fit, he shouldn't be involved in the squad. Like I just yeah. don't. I, do, I mean, what kind of I don't know, what kind of message does it send when you've got you know Aguero who's broken so many goal-scoring records for that club and for you know the Premier League and whatever else, and he can't he can't get on the field. Whereas Raheem Sterling's missing three, four, five chances from from about five yards combined. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the the Aguero Pep relationship will always be one that'll come under scrutiny, um, which is a shame, especially if this is the way it ends as well. Because 
Aguero has been, I mean, for me, he's been Man City's greatest ever player. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember Man City before, obviously. The money, I remember the, the humiliating, like, 7-0 defeat to Middlesbrough or whatever it was. But, <laughs> you know, this, this City team, Aguero, for me, has been the greatest. As much as I love Silva and the De Bruyne's and that, Aguero, the consistency level he put in, um, and the level he took City to um, was was something else. But, um, and yeah, if he's not getting games, um, I assume he'll get more, you know, in the running, especially now that oh, the league's almost over anyway. But um, yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Um, Owner will become their league striker as they just start playing like the, the you know <laughs> the, the, the the, their full team in the Champions League. Yeah, that'll be, <laughs> be fun for Owner. <laughs> you playing the meaningless games, son. Um, yeah I mean Simon I mean yeah United have done it again Uh, another penalty they're 920th uh, (laughs) in 18 months or whatever it is Uh, I think Bruno Fernandes must be the top goal scorer in the league um, since he signed because United's penalty ratio is ridiculous yeah I mean to be fair at least this one was actually a penalty you know unlike some of the others that they've had in that time. Having said that, I think Edison would be quite annoyed with himself that he didn't save it because it wasn't like he just got his fingers tipped to it. He, he got a proper good hand to it and just squirmed past him. Um, but I mean, I I didn't see the result coming at all, and I, I kind of it's it all it's done is just made me more angry with Man United because <laughs> <laughs> because. I, I was like sat there watching it, thinking like they're actually like they're playing quite well here. They're you know they're, they're hitting them on the counter attack and and looking dangerous. And then I started thinking to the game against the game against Chelsea the other week and the game at Anfield uh, and a few weeks ago and the Emirates a few weeks ago, which were all shite nil nils. I was just sat there thinking, where was where's this performance been all season like? If you'd have had to go in some of those other games, you might actually be in a title race here. <laughs> it's just... I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's, it was just purely because something unexplainable happens when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer takes Manu to the Etihad. Because, I mean, as Dave said, for him to have won three league games uh, in a row, just that... I I can't make any sense of that. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to me. But um, yeah, like kind of like from a semi-serious point of view, had they actually attacked some of these big six games like this, we would have a title race on our hands because there is the drop points in those games, which has uh, you know, which means that there's such a gap between them and City because they've beaten everyone else. Like they they tend to beat. Or the teams, you know, from sort of seventh downwards. Um, it's yeah, it's the top games that's cost them, and they've shown they can go and do it. So why haven't they? Yeah, is this not their first win against top six or top seven opposition this season? I believe it is. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it was something something silly like that. For a while, they hadn't beat anybody in the top half of the table. Um, they do like a, a nil-nil, don't they, in these big games? So. Yeah, just play it safe. Um, and I mean, you know what, fair play, it's got them there. What are they, are they third in the league at the moment? Second now. Are they second? You're right, I couldn't remember if Leicester had overtook. So, yeah, I mean, they're still up there, top four secured, um, still in Europe. 
Um, yeah, it's a whatever we think of Ole. It's a, it's been a good season for them. Yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I just think I'm just, like just looking at the table now. They they've only lost one more game than Man City, but but, but they've drawn they've drawn four four more, and you know most of those draw they've drawn nine games this season. The majority of them have been, and you know a number of those nil nils against those bigger teams and. Part of your things, you know, if you you'd have just you just gone for it a bit more in a couple of them. You you may have lost maybe one or two of them, but you may have won two or three of them, which, which you know pushes pushes the points up. And rather than being what eleven points off the top of the table, they they could be with ten games to go, only three or four points off, and 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 well in it. So I think I think they've missed an opportunity this season. Actually, as good as City have been. United could have made this a much closer title race. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's fair. I think they should be just not lucky to be up there, but um, I, I don't think anybody could have seen really United being in a title race at the start of the season. It's just been one of those seasons. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, we'll come on to the last game of the day and from results-wise, probably looks the, the best team of the, the weekend. Um, Spurs 4-1 four, four winners. Um, another two goals from Gareth Bale. That's Four goals in two weeks and five goal five goal involvements in his last three games since he starts getting starts. Um, I mean, Dave, when do we expect a Jose Mourinho um, statement saying that he orchestrated this himself with his <laughs> the reason he made the comments and that's why well, coming this way. Well, we drove out the other week, didn't we? Where you know he kind of gave Ndombele the the bullying treatment and now he's one of their better players and Bale seems to have gone from the brink of being everyone right now off as being a waste of time to being brilliant like he was obviously this was probably his best game in a Tottenham shirt for since he came back um but he's been steadily getting better for the last three four five weeks and whether it was just what we were saying before about you know the Euros are coming so now he's trying to get himself ready for it. <laughs> um or whether he's just fully fit for the first time since he came back I, I don't know but uh it's obvious that he's a huge asset to any team if he's if he's fit and firing. Um, he didn't he didn't score the two greatest goals in the world by any means, but they all count the same, don't they? So um, we said at the start of the season, him, Kane, and, and Son was a was a mouthwater in front three, and if you can get all three of them firing and, and clicking together, then Spurs will do very well in this running. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Simon, we we brushed on Bale at this. Off, off pod. Um, I mean, thoughts in the game in general, and uh, yeah, how 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 much impact can Bale make for the rest of the season? Um, yeah, I mean the the game in general. The, I think it was it's pretty comfortable for Tottenham. Um, so t- took the lead. Uh, they gave away it, the goal that uh, Benteke scored. It was it was like Benteke. I've always like from his Villa days. It was a wonderful header, but I think all that did was just just give Spurs to kick up the arse to like go, okay, come on, let's just get this game finished, done and dusted and uh, and we can knock off early tonight. For Spurs going forward in general, I think Bale, you, okay, you kind of, there's a slight caveat that they, the last two games, they've not been against the strongest of opposition, let's be honest. But having said that, all, all that's going to do, he's going to build his confidence up. So if he's, He's now going into bigger games, uh, fitter, stronger, and in a confident frame of mind. Yeah, it can only be a good thing for Spurs. And you kind of, I'm just looking at the table now, 
they're only five points off the top four with the game in hands. Now, it's, I personally don't see them finishing in the top four, but I think they're in a, it, I mean, it's just how, how weird the season's been that a couple of weeks ago, we're looking at them going, you know, they, they could struggle to finish in the top eight here. And now you kind of think if, if Mourinho is a bit bolder than you would expect him to be, they they might not be the best defensively. I think they're okay defensively, but you know, they may not have a top four defence, but they've certainly got a top four strike force if, if they're all fit. And they could get themselves in a position where they might just outscore their way in, into a top four spot. It might, it might be like sort of the, the Tottenham of old that, that we used to associate where they might concede two or three, but they'll stick four or five in at the other end. So it could be an exciting end for the season for them, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know about you, Dave, but I just can't see Josie Mourinho allowing that style. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think he tends to go in with Shell in the bigger games, doesn't he? But uh, he seems to have decided in these games against the likes of Palace and uh, whoever it was that played the other week, Burnley, I think it was, where they just, yeah, you know, right. they, play, they played a proper front four almost and just said, well, you know, let's just get this done. And, and they got the goals and that was that. So be interesting to see how he lines up against, because it's uh, the North London derby this weekend, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? It is, yes. Um, at Arsenal as well. It's, I mean, it's a winnable game, absolutely. Um, they've got Zagreb in the Europa League three days beforehand, but I don't know loads about Zagreb, but I, I don't suppose they've got anyone on the calibre of Kane, Son, Bale, even, you know, probably any of Tottenham's players, I wouldn't have thought. So it's as good a draw as you could get, I think. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, happy an interesting week next week, as you say, with the, the North London derby. But I just don't see Spurs being too adventurous in it. And I, I feel Arteta and Arsenal set up as very, very childish and very under youth football level type. That there's no real structure about it, so they'll try and attack it. Will just play about the ball, and Spurs literally will just counter attack. I'll almost be like that Southampton game where. They just kept kicking the ball long over Southampton's defence. <laughs> <laughs> and this Spurs players will run on it. And yeah, if you've got a fully functioning Sun, Kane and Bale um, yeah. as, well. as the goals and assists show at the weekend, it's going to be a long day for Arsenal, I'd feel. I mean, on that Arsenal defence, who knew Callum Chambers was still there? Oh, honestly, <laughs> I, I, that was, it was like seeing a ghost. <laughs> Where the hell has he been for the last 18 months? Ah, well, I could just imagine Arteta sitting there, well, Rob Holden's not available, so we need someone who's like him, but, you know, just <laughs> just, just a little bit older. Uh, we'll get Callum Chambers in, right, sort of. And then we wonder where Arsenal's problems lie. <laughs> <laughs> On to this evening's games then, and the early kickoff being Chelsea 2, I believe it finished, and Everton 0. Um, very routine win for, for Chelsea again. Chelsea quietly going about their business really well in the last few weeks. Uh, Simon, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a very comfortable game for Chelsea actually, which... I think makes it all the more impressive because I know, I know Everton are a bit of a weird team in that they they can chuck in uh, home defeats to the like to like Fulham and, and to Newcastle, but then they're capable of going away and get. I think their waveform has been quite good this season. So I, the fact that Chelsea 
were so comfortable tonight. I think sort of it, it shows how good a job Tuchel's doing for them, actually. I think when he first went in, I think he had a nice run of fixtures to start with, which was quite handy for him because it gave him a, a chance to sort of get a feel for his players and his squads. But he's got them playing. It's it's not the most exciting brand of football. No, they're not creating you know, loads of chances a game, but they're, they're controlling games with the possession. Um, and, I mean, Everton, are at one stage in the second half, is about sort of five, ten-minute periods where they, they, they just couldn't get near them. And, and Chelsea were just in complete control. One area of concern I think they're still going to have is with Timo Werner because he missed he missed a couple of absolute sitters tonight. And then Ryan said in the group chat that he he seems to be actively making the wrong decision. Like each time he he goes through and there's all the gap is all at the far post, so he will go near post, and then he goes to the next time and the gap is at the near post. And he's going for the far post and you just, I, I did see a, a tweet that really made me chuckle uh, earlier on tonight. It said, if if Timo Werner had shot at Tupac Shakur, Tupac would be turning 49 today. And it did make me laugh, to be fair, that one did. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think they'll, uh, I, I think they'll finish in the top four now. They, they just, they seem to have a real control of games that they're in now and this is a real test against a good team and and they completely dominated to be fair yeah i, I quite fancy that my finish actually second in the league this season i think they're, they're on their own but again it, it shouldn't come as a surprise with the amount of money they spent uh, i mean dave i'll come on to you in the, the game and i mean what was your thoughts yeah i mean the decision to get rid of lampard looks like a very very sound one now doesn't it um They've basically replaced him with a manager who's got a proven pedigree at managing very, very good football teams like like this one. So um, I agree with I agree with you, Ali, in that they are at the moment more consistent than Man United and Leicester. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they finished second. But they're also well placed to go through in the Champions League. You wouldn't be surprised if they end up winning the FA Cup because it's what Chelsea do more often than not. Um, it's all come together for them. I mean, their run of games coming up is like. Leeds away at the weekend, all right. I mean, Leeds are good fun, but tend to tend to get beaten by the you know the proper established teams at the top of the table. Um, Chelsea will beat West Brom. They'll then go to Palace and probably win. Brighton at home, West Ham away a bit more tricky. Uh, Fulham at home, you know they're they're going to be well placed by the time they get into the last four, which is when they play City, Chelsea, and, and Leicester, which is probably going to decide how the top four pans out, I imagine. So. <laughs> Um, they've got to be very happy with, with the decision to get Tuchel in. Um, they've got an incredible squad, really. The depth is ridiculous. If they can get Werner scoring, um, the sky's the limit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's no surprise Ryan wants back on podcasts. Um, <laughs> start doing well. I, am, I, I see you, Mr. Goodman. Um, I see you. But... Um, yeah, I think we'll we'll move on to the last game of the evening, um, and West Ham do it again. Um, clean sheet against Leeds United, who are always um, dangerous, but a, a very comfortable two 0 win really in the end. 
I don't know how comfortable it was because I mean Leeds, Leeds, Leeds were Leeds. They just had that that 17 shots shots on goal, but two on target, and uh, what two disallowed at least. I lose track. How many goals have disallowed? Uh, yeah, it was two, wasn't it? Quite quite early on in the game as well. Yeah, uh, I mean this is what Leeds do, doesn't it? I mean the. They're very good going forwards, but they don't convert enough of their chances. Bamford had a had a very bad night. He missed a oh god, yeah. Missed missed a couple of guilt edge chances. Um, the two disallowed goals, for all they were marginal, they were they were probably tr- probably correct. Um, one of them has got the ball's just going to play. This is one I know Ross was getting upset about because he was a kneecap offside. But the thing to remember here is that the linesman gave him offside, so mm-hmm. without VAR, it just gets disallowed full stop. And obviously with VAR, it gets disallowed by a kneecap, like which is you know it's both offside either way. So it's unfortunate, of course it is, but it is offside. Um, West Ham has uh, just got this, this setup just right, haven't they? Where they they played into the big lad, and then they've got you know willing runners, and they've got a solid base behind them. And if they get a set piece, God help you, because if Suchek doesn't get you, then Dawson or can Diop or Antonio, like they're just a massive unit of a team, aren't they? So. <laughs> um, and Jesse Lingard, I mean, he is yeah. the new Messi, it seems. He's just reborn, isn't he? Um, and people that people always say like, oh, you know, he needs he needs time to get up to speed when they haven't played for so long. He hasn't taken any time at all to get up and running again. No, um, not, totally really. fair fair play to him, like. Yeah, just he seems to be a bit more free, and maybe the pressure of United um, was maybe just a bit much for him. You know, it's such a big club. Um, maybe he's just that type of player. It needs to be that tier down, or possibly even a tier below that sort of thing. But um, no, fair play. Um, as you mentioned, the the offside goal. Just quickly on that, when did the linesman start flagging for all sides again? I didn't see the exact time, but what they meant to do is flag for offside once the once the goals happened or once the players stopped. Right. Um, so. I, I think that's what he did. To be fair. Yeah, I do as well. I, I mean, I didn't have the sound on, so I just have to guess. But yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure the goal happened, and then Leeds were about to go and celebrate, and then the line had his flag up. So. Ah, fair enough. Yep. Uh, right, Simon, I'll come to you in the game then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Dave summed it up pretty well. To be fair, it, with Bamford, it, it was ironic that the uh, the second goal that was disallowed when the ball had gone out of play, he actually finished it off really well. Yeah, he did. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but then the, he had a, a chance in the second half that, I mean, he absolutely... Well, he, he sort of had two chances in the one move. I think the cross was coming from the left and he completely mishit his shot and he kind of went, up, went out to the right and that... I'm not sure if it was Harrison or Rafinha, one of the two, played it back into him. The dead sense of the goal and about seven or eight yards out and he just ballooned it over the bar. And you, you could see the sort of look on his face then. He he just knew, right, it's, I'm having one of those Bamford nights as opposed to one of the uh, the better Bamford nights he's had since he's come up to the, the Premiership. But um, <laughs> I think for Leeds... They started off really, really well, but I think where issues come for them in games, if they fall behind, and it's not, it won't be against every opponent, but if if they fall behind against teams that are solid defensively, so you look at their two games with Wolves, their game with us last week and tonight, 
I that's they struggled to get back into those games because the the better defenses, I think once once they get them their noses in front, they're more than happy to leave just a few more men back, and they can I think hope with the attacks that Leeds offer because they still have a number of probably just championship quality or lower league lower Premier League level quality players going forward at them. I think if obviously they're going to stay up, if they can sign better quality players, they may be able to overcome that next season. But I think just at the moment, the squad they've got, they if they fall behind in the game to a certain level of opposition. They, I, I just think they really struggled to, to get themselves back into it. Yeah, I think, Dave, we've said a few times that what happens when, you know, the band form the Bamford um, level stops stops performing, and and these are the games that we see it in mainly. Yeah, I mean, we've said this a lot. Bamford, a lot of them where when he's good, he's very very good, but when he's when he's bad, he's pretty poor, isn't he? Um, that's been the case throughout his career, really. Um, I think we were all quite surprised at how well he started the season, but we've said a few times where if, if Leeds had a better striker. The amount of chances they can they make, you kind of would feel that they'd be even higher up the table. And I mean, Bamford's done pretty well, all things considered, but he has missed as he's probably missed as many good chances as he's scored, which is <laughs> an, an odd thing to say about a guy who's got a, a fair number of goals this season. But he has too many nights like this for me. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Well, that takes us to the end of the games. Um, so it's the the good old betting corner segment mm. to finish us off. Um. So, last week, but lads, how do you think you got on? I think mine was done by half two on Saturday lunchtime, wasn't it? I think <laughs> were done by half yeah. two. So, Dave, you got one out of four with only there's Spurs. Uh, Arsenal let you down, Liverpool let you down, and Villa let you down. As many as one. All right. Simon did one better. He got two. Hey. Uh, Arsenal and Liverpool letting you down, Leicester and Spurs coming through. And a bit of controversy. So... I had Southampton to win, check. Norwich to win, check. Swansea over two and a half goals, check. Then finally I had Brentford, both teams to score and win. The game was voided due to COVID reasons. Now, silly enough, none of us take note of individual odds. We just get the total. Yeah. So, being, being the obviously the bet I, I propose that I take half the winnings since it's only fair. I got three out of four. But as a fair man, I also thought I would bring it up to the to the two of you to decide what we should do. I mean, if if, if I'd placed the bet and one didn't happen, I'd get the adjusted odds of ever done like a threefold instead of a fourfold. Yep. Um, now, your one that didn't come in was a, a both teams to score and win, was it? Yeah, I think it was about it's pro- so, it was probably about a forty-one roughly. I uh, probably would have boosted your odds quite a bit. So, uh, I don't know. I think... It's a shame we don't have the individual odds, because obviously we'd just plug them in and, and see what it was. But... Well, that's it, yeah. I don't know if there's a weaving a way to go back and find them. Probably uh, is some, Probably is somewhere, but... So with more time than me. I was just looking back over our conversation earlier. You would have had that four come in. You'd have won 274... 31. I would say I still think that half of that is probably too much. I would 
Okay, so here's my, here's my proposition to you both. Okay. I can take £100 as a winner, or we'll leave it running until Brentford play their game. Aye, why not? <laughs> I, thought, uh, I thought you were going to say like double or quits there, but I, and I'll, I'll put it all yeah, on this weekend. Add to it on next week. I mean, I, I was going to say that I, I would concede to a maximum of £100, but so it, then it's up to you. Do you want to take the hundred pound, or do you want to roll it on until that game's played? Oh no, I'm letting you decide on that one. That's your your two. What would you prefer? Do you want to take the gamble or? Uh, I, I think we should roll it on. I think we should wait for Brentford play rather than. Yeah, yeah, go on then. It adds a bit more jeopardy to it, doesn't it? That's it. So we'll come back to week two whenever this game is played. So <laughs> on week three. Um, I will start with yourself, Dave. Do you have yours at the ready? I do. So, we've gone for Everton to beat Burnley. We've gone yep. for uh, Chelsea to win at Leeds. Yep. Leicester to beat Sheffield United. Yep. And Norwich to win at Sheffield. And your £10 will return you. So the odds of that are 5.98 to 1, which will return £69.77. and pence. You mean 77 for Dave. And Simon? Okay, so last week me and Dave had three of the same <laughs> results. We've, 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 we've gone one slightly better. We, we've only got two of the same results this week. Uh, so I also have Everton to beat Burnley. And I also had Norwich to beat Sheffield Wednesday. But I've also gone with Palace and West Brom to draw. Yep. And I've gone for Bristol City to win at Birmingham City. And your returns for your team? The return for that £10 is £331.20. Jeez. Swinging for the fences leg, aren't you? Oh, no, I yeah. know. It's, it's, it's a, a draw that, combined with a couple of away wins as well. Uh, that, that draw will boost things like. Yeah. Well, normally I'm the highest earner of the, well, gambler of the weekend, but mine's just slightly lower this week. So I have gone for Hearts um, up in Scotland. Um, the game to be over two and a half goals. I have gone for QPR to win, but both teams to score. And then I have gone for Doncaster and Lincoln, both to win their games. And that returns me £157.50. Mm. So we're all currently sitting on technically minus 20 at the moment. Um, so hopefully nobody is following our bets because <laughs> um, we're letting you down um, so far. Unless Brentford um, win and both teams to score whenever that game is replayed. I believe it's against Rochdale. Um, can't remember now. But Rotherham. 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 Yes, it begins with an R. <laughs> um, so yeah well, that makes it a wee bit exciting for that one But so yeah good luck to those um, and if any of you are joining in at home give us a little tweet when the podcasts come out and we'll keep an eye on your bets as well and see how, how you would have done um, well chaps that's that's the, the end of another week um, Simon let them know where to find you and um, anything you've got out at the moment uh, yes on Twitter it's at Regan. Um, and for Villa fans, because I don't think anyone else would be interested in it, uh, it's the Holtcast podcast and 
7500 to Holt, and there's uh, articles on there that I've done on, on the recent bit of games. And Dave, for yourself? Uh, so the Twitter is at CM9798, uh, and the website is cm9798.co.uk. Um, we've got the Champman, uh, Champions League, Super League starting this week, um, which is a project a chap called Nick has put together where he's made the 10 Champions League winners from the early 90s up to 2001, and they're going to play off in a league all managed by us, including the boss, Ross Bell. So check that out every Friday on the website. Oh, that's definitely worth a, worth a look. And um, I'm not even sure who's on, but 11 Pieces of Me um, will be out at the moment. There'll be a new one released tomorrow as you receive this. Um, I'm not sure what order. I think it might actually be yours eventually, Simon. Yeah, um, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> now that files have been found, um, I think it's a shock to the system for the guys to get the Alan Piece of Me back regularly that they're now inundated with them and they're not quite sure how to do it. So, yeah, check those out. Um, and again, if you want to appear on those, um, hit me up and we can get that arranged. Um, you can find us at Man the Post on all your sh- social media platforms. Um, give us a five star rating and review on Apple if you're there. And even if you don't like us, just yeah, just go on and slag me off. That's more than welcome, but every rating and every review just helps us get more more lessons. Um, yeah, chaps, thank you very much for joining me, as always. Thank you. Thank you, and Si, let the best team win, as long as it's us. <laughs> yeah, but best of luck from after <laughs> Friday. <laughs> and thanks to everybody for listening, and always remember to keep your man in the